Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. We're your hosts, Brad Stahlberg and Steve Magnus. Brad, my man, what's going on? Not so much, Steve. Another Wednesday, another Growth Equation Podcast. I'm here. I'm ready to roll. All right. And you know what? I'm excited because unlike the last couple episodes with goals and consistency and failure, where we've kind of stuck to the script and given you practical takeaways in a nice short combined or confined area, we're going to go a little ranty today. And we're going to give you a little behind the scenes look. But before we do that, just a reminder that if you haven't yet, check out our Patreon group, which hosts monthly book clubs, quarterly mastermind get-togethers, all on Zoom. Plus, you get all sorts of cool giveaways, guides to resilience, and just be a part of our community that helps support this podcast, helps support the newsletter, helps keep us free from sponsors of crazy supplements and other things, which is going to kind of tie in with our topic today. All right. Well, we're not going to go too off the rails because then y'all are going to stop listening. But we are going to give you a behind the scenes look at some of the conversations that Steve and I have been having um, over the last week since we put out the the last episode. And they, they tend to center around this introduction to our phone calls that goes like this. Man, Steve... I can't believe so-and-so, another victim to losing their brain on the internet. Or Brad, I told you so-and-so was going down the rabbit hole. They've completely lost their brain on the internet. And what we mean by this is a lot of very smart people in particular domains whose work we followed for a long period of time seem to be going a little bit berserk on the internet making very provocative, rash, flippant remarks on things that are pretty serious. Uh, And it's not just the pandemic, although, of course, the pandemic is a big part of it. So then it's one thing to throw stones, but you shouldn't throw stones if you live in a glass house, as 50 Cent said. So we turn the mirror So it's facing us and then ask, well, how can we not lose our brain on the internet? And that has been what Steve and I have been talking about while we walk our dogs over the last couple of days. Yes. So it's been really interesting. And I think, you know, I think the pandemic has accelerated things, but I don't think it is the sole cause of things. I think what we have here is, when people wrestle kind of with uncertainty to a high degree, there's all sorts of psychology that shows that they then try and make sense of it. They try and integrate it into their story or their narrative or their their beliefs. And because we have so much uncertainty in the world, I think you're seeing people like wrestle with ideas and wrestle with things and try and make sense of things that often we don't have the data or can't make sense of and then furthermore like i think part of the problem before we get into okay how do we prevent this or what do brad and i do about this is that 
the online world, social media acts as an accelerant. It's like uh, it's like pouring gas on things, right? Because it, it just amplifies things so much where over time you start to have what we'll just call like internet brain, where your brain starts to believe that like the online world you occupy is, you know, applies to everybody across everything. And like internet brain also comes with like this heightened sensitivity to like threat. And I was reading, I was reading an interesting paper the other day or research uh, article the other day on social threats that basically said, found that like when our, our social status is threatened, we're more likely to engage in what they called moral condemnation which on the internet would be like self-righteous, like I'm right and going to tear into people. And their conclusion said it happens presumably because moral wrongdoers pose a further threat when one's ability to cope is already compromised. And I love that line because it's our ability to cope is compromised. So that pushes us to double down. That pushes us to... Um, seek status in different areas or, you know, um, deal with these threats in a different way. And I think all of this combined is kind of the what happens when we lose our mind on the Internet, because like we get trapped in this world where like status, et cetera, is like staring us in the face and it makes us feel a little threatened or a little bit like, oh, I need to keep this audience or whatever have you, or the world is burning. And then we go moral condemnation, threat, lose our mind, double down, can't see clearly, brain stops functioning. And before we know it, we're pitching, you know, crazy supplements for the cure of everything in the world. Yeah, I... um. I think that what this happens to everybody and if you tend to be someone that is um, like active online on social media, then I think that you're probably a greater propensity. But I think that this happens if you're somebody that just consumes newspaper writing on the internet. And then the question becomes, how do you try to take the good without the bad, or at the very least, have one's use of the internet be a net positive. And that can be if you are like Steve and I, and a big part of your job is sharing your thinking on the internet, or that could just be, hey, I subscribe to the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, and I think it's a good thing for me to do this, but I'm starting to wonder. So how do you keep it a, a good thing? Um to be engaged and in, in, in involved on the internet. And let's get like beyond the basics, right? So the whole echo chamber thing, that's, that's real. But the basic thing there that I think is hard is there's also a false equivalency. Like if my echo chamber is people that aren't delusional because they realize that like science is real and COVID is not a hoax, that's not really an echo chamber. That's me choosing not to engage with people that are experiencing group psychosis. So I think that like the normal kind of platitudes that you hear 
don't always hold up and they're being weaponized. You know, Jordan Peterson might say like, well, you're just listening to your echo chamber. Listen to me. And then you're listening to somebody that is operating under total delusion. Or maybe I am. I mean, to him, I'm the one with psychosis. But it's like, if you don't have any time for election was stolen, voting machines don't work. If you don't have any time for um, the vaccines are some plot for government mind control. Well, is that an echo chamber or is that just being like these people are kind of crazy to me? We warned you it was going to, or I guess Steve said it was going to be ranty and I tried to say it wasn't, but here we are. I know you better than that, Brad. Once you get going, it's, 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 it's ranty. But like yeah. for real, it's like, I, I don't, it's not, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to like make, I'm going to make a couple of statements and, and use concrete examples. And I'm going to be really clear to just report on facts. So you take someone like Jordan Peterson, who for those don't know, is a um, esteemed psychologist, wrote some really popular books and has become more and more engaged on political or issues of the zeitgeist. And he is somebody that is very skeptical of vaccine programs, yet he is all about the carnivore diet, which his daughter has a company that is just to eat meat and apple cider vinegar. Um, He is like, it's just how can you take someone seriously when they do that. And then I think more interesting and where there's more of a threat is another thinker on the internet is a woman named Barry Weiss who went on the Bill Maher show and said that the pandemic is over. She's sick of it. It's over. And there was some good reasoning around her upsetness with pandemic theater. So for example, like the science is pretty unambiguous right now that cloth masks offer very little to no protection for Omicron and COVID doesn't seem to spread outside. So when you see people wearing cloth masks outside, it makes you wonder. But instead of saying that, she goes on Bill Maher and she says, the pandemic is over. It's done. I'm done with it. It's over. And my first thought is like, oh man, this is internet brain because it's not over. It's not over for anyone with kids under five. It's not over for teachers. It's not over for nurses. It's not over for doctors. It's not over for school administrators. So it might be over for you if you can sit up in an apartment and write a newsletter all day and not have friends in those positions, but it's not over for everyone. And by making flippant remarks like that, you are basically just supporting this culture that you portend to dislike. So that's that. I don't know if I've left you with anything, Steve. I hope everyone's not hitting the unsubscribe button or whatever right now. This was Steve's idea at this topic. Oh, man, we're going to lose all our subscribers because Brad and Steve went on a rant. But if you don't like rants, don't worry. Next week, we'll be back to our normal our normal stuff. We, we try and balance it out because a rants offer some uh, insight, I think. And it's good to kind of put the put the walls down a little bit and um, and gives people like behind the scenes on things we're wrestling with. So if you don't like that. You know, come back next week. It'll be by the book. But if you like rants, keep listening. And, you know, I, I, I'm kind of glad because I think this allows us to wrestle with topics in a way that is honest and straightforward and open. And I, I agree with you here that there's, you know, you gave two examples, Jordan Peterson, Barry Weiss. Like there's there's nuance here 
And the thing to remind here is that like people aren't good and evil or most people aren't good or evil. Um, some bad quote unquote people have some good ideas occasionally. And it it's like, to me, it's like wrestling with this, this nuance. And to me, losing your mind on the internet is when you lose the ability to zoom out, have perspective and realize, holy crap, I'm getting dragged down, you know, towards this place, which I didn't think I would go at the beginning. And that lack of awareness is what, what happens, right? And um, a fellow colleague and exercise physiologist, I saw him tweet this the other day, Dr. Mark Burnley, said, every university has its own Jordan Peterson. The difference is 99% of them just make meetings boring and lead to eye rolls. This one got a book deal and some airtime. Air and then this happened. And I think his point here, which I think is important, is like Jordan Peterson like might have some good ideas, might work well in the university stuff. His early research, you know, I haven't read much of it, but some people love it, which is great. But something happens when you get an audience, when you get reaffirmed for um, controversial takes or things that get likes, retweets, follows, shares. And we're picking on Jordan Peterson, but the same thing occurs in basically every domain. If you look at the exercise and fitness health world, you can sell a lot more and get a lot bigger of an audience if you start telling people that supplement A, B, C, and D will cure their whatever disease or increase their performance by, you know, 30% or whatever have you, then you can by telling people to go outside, take a walk, go for a run, do some hard work, and occasionally get exhausted. Yeah, I I think so. Um, I also think that there is an echo chamber effect that isn't just echo chamber on the internet, but it's echo chamber in the sense that you don't have interactions with real people in the real world. So if all your friends are fellow pontificators, well, then you might genuinely think that the pandemic is over because those people are up in their apartments writing newsletters and they might not have kids and they might not talk to doctors, nurses, you name it. So I think that the, the, the antidote partially is to have friends that are in different roles than you and have very different lives. And if you don't, to try to cultivate a little bit of empathy. Like I got no problem if Barry Weiss says the pandemic is done for me or I feel like the pandemic is done for me. But to be like the pandemic is done, I'm over it. It's done. It should be done. Completely discounts the experience of so many people for whom it's not done. And these aren't just like, oh, you know, emotional snowflakes that are still traumatized by the pandemic, which to be clear, I don't think people are emotional snowflakes, but some would say 
Like this is freaking empirical, man. Walk into like most hospitals outside of like the ginormous ones and you can't get elective surgery. You know, if Barry Weiss needed her knee replaced, I bet she wouldn't say the pandemic is done for her because she couldn't get her knee replaced. So it's just like, I think that there's this removal and this is part of what scares me about the metaverse and like this notion of everything being online is as long as some people still exist in the real world, there's going to be a chasm between um, how we perceive reality and, and how we don't. And that's okay. I'm not saying that you need to have one friend that's a nurse, one friend that's a doctor, one friend that's a teacher, but I am saying I think it's pretty important to at least be able to imagine what other people might be experiencing and going through. And I have a lot more empathy for the doctors, teachers, and nurses than New York City high-rise newsletter writers right now. Because when I get sick or my kid gets sick, I don't give a shit what the New York City high-rise newsletter writers are saying. I want to have a bed in the hospital and a doctor or nurse that's not so burnt out and morally exhausted that they'll care for me. You're, you're spot on, Brad. And I, I, I think, all right, so we're, we're kind of getting into, okay, how do, you, how do you prevent this from happening? How do you not lose your mind on the internet or anywhere right now? And I think that diversity of roles of friends is important because like what I've seen is, the dialogue maybe online or to use your verbiage in the newsletter writers um, is different from the dialogue of those who ha maybe have skin in the game and are on the ground level. And I'll use a, a non kind of kind of non pandemic example, but my wife is a teacher. If you look at certain places online or in news or whatever, you would think the biggest problem in teaching is, uh, you know, CRT, critical race theory, blah, blah, blah. If you attend, um, you know, school board meetings, that also might be the biggest issue as that has erupted. But if you talk to teachers on the ground, they're like, holy crap, we have no substitutes. Like whenever COVID wave comes in, like we are splitting classes, having 30 plus kids in a classroom and having secretary sub and all this stuff. Teachers are quitting at an alarming rate, not just because of like pandemic stuff, but because of it's just an over overworked, undervalued uh, profession. New teachers, there was a study that showed that new teachers in Texas um 50% quit after the first year, you're losing talent, right? This this is the real problem. This is like the problem that will surface and show itself 5, 10, 15 years into the future when our, um, our teachers, maybe we don't have enough or our lower quality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that applies to every single profession is when there's too much distance, you can create narratives that might seem important, that might seem true. But if you zoom in to the people on the ground floor doing the work and you talk to them, they're like, whoa, 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 what is this person talking about? Like our problems, the big issues are completely different. And I think most of us spend too much time on the zoomed out, like, anger, division 
fueled like so-called problems instead of addressing the real ones. Yeah, I think when this relates to um, politics, and so many of these issues are related to politics, Ezra Klein thinks about this really well, which is the people most engaged in politics, for them, politics is like sports. It's like a game with a team and it's exciting. But the people where the decisions actually matter the most generally don't have time to be engaged because they're doing it. You know, very few doctors that are actually practicing medicine, not just Twitter doctors that sit on Twitter all day and see patients for two hours a week, but doctors that are actually seeing patients, they don't have time to go counter anti-vax propaganda because they're freaking seeing patients all day. So it's it's this big disconnect um, with who has who has the time and energy to to spend there, and that's I think a big part of something that you know we strive for here at the Growth Equation and, and us personally is that like we realize that we could very easily be part of the problem because we spend a lot of our time writing podcasting stuff on the internet, and part of what we see ourselves as is like a vessel to connect to real people doing real work and show that on the internet, which perhaps is why like our stuff strikes some people is either refreshing or boring or weird. But sometimes I just think of myself as like a vessel. I've got a friend in Asheville named Mark, who's a middle school teacher. And it's like, man, what would Mark say? And he'd laugh at so much of the stuff that's going back and forth, because as you pointed out, it doesn't really matter. And I hope if we're ranting today, we can do like a segment on pay the teachers. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm all down for a segment on paying the teachers. So, uh, I mean, I, it's, it's absolutely crazy how much me and you can make in a good year, how much um, an investment banker can make in a good year versus like a teacher. You know, um, since we're talking about the internet, one of my favorite people to follow on the internet is a guy named Morgan Housel. We got to get him on the podcast. He basically is like the growth equation, but focused on finance. And he said the other day that if all the investment bankers in the world went on strike, no one would notice and it might even be a good thing. But if all the teachers and nurses went on strike at the same time, society would fall apart. Yeah. yeah. Look at the compensation scheme. I mean, it, it's it's spot on. I love that. And Morgan's book, uh, The Psychology of Money, is fantastic as well. Um, it's spot on. I mean, my wife is a teacher, so I'm in this game and bias. But here's 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 the deal in the U.S. And I tweeted a thread about this um, not too long ago, so you could check that out. But in things that actually probably make a difference for society to a large degree, like teaching. We often have like low status views of them. And that's that's the problem in the US. So if you look at countries that do really well academically on global standards, like Finland, for example, they see teachers different. Their pay is higher, yes, but their status is also higher. Where teaching is something that's, you know, sought after, people want to do enjoyable, et cetera, et cetera. It's a worthy profession. And I think now, for whatever reason, we've diminished teaching so much that the status of it is so low that we we start to think, oh, 
like anybody can do it. It's like just for the people who want to, you know, who are like babysitters of our kids. And whenever we have that kind of that kind of approach, what happens is not only do we have the underpaying, but now we have the message that you're not valued. And like that's the biggest recipe for burnout that you could ever have. I'm going to quote the former secretary of education because this quote stood out in an article um, in the Houston Chronicle. Who said it? Uh, it was, I believe, Reagan's uh, secretary of. So education. a long time ago, though. Yeah. A, a more less important who, but more of a time frame. So we're talking 80s and a Republican. Yes, exactly. Bennett is his last name. Okay. Okay. He said, advise parents, don't be intimidated by the culture of expertise. When it comes to education of children, if you don't understand what they're talking about, you're probably right and they're probably wrong. It's not complicated what to teach children and what parents want schools to do is teach children how to read, write, count, and think, and develop reliable standards of right and wrong. So when it comes to education of children, if you don't understand what they're talking about, you're probably right and they're probably wrong. Now think about that. If you don't understand what, uh, what your kids are being taught, the secretary of education is telling you, hey, if you don't understand what your teacher's t- teaching, then you as the parent are probably right. That makes zero sense, right? It's just wild. But that's like the that's how we think about um, teachers often is that, hey, you know, you as a parent probably know more than this professional on how to educate children. So like, don't listen to the teacher, tell them when they're wrong, tell them when their curriculum is off, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why we get into wars over stupid things like CRT. Well, and I was going to say, you know, the good old brain was firing up. Like, imagine if we told that to our doctors, but the scary thing is like increasingly people are telling that to their doctors. And as a result, we're seeing a 20 X different, and unnecessary deaths from COVID in those that think that they know better than their doctors. And and this kind of gets back to... Um, Which is nuts. Let me just pause on that. And I know we're not like a COVID thing, but I think this is so important. And I was looking into the data this morning. Right at the time when Fox News, which operates 80% in like the group psychosis delusion universe, is doubling down on propaganda that the mRNA vaccines are like uniquely dangerous. This is last night when we're recording. The, the, the differential between death in the unvaccinated and vaccinated population is 20 times. You are 20 times more likely to die from COVID if you're not vaccinated. That's nuts. So then it begs this other question, if today is dedicated to not useful concrete tips, but just ranting, are these people just cynical and evil and like they're playing a game or to them it's a game, but it's people's lives or like, have they drunk their own Kool-Aid too? You know, um, like it's just so hard for me to put myself in the shoes of someone with that big of a platform 
that is smart enough to have that big of a platform that can truly go out and say that vaccines are like a attempt at mind control and they're dangerous when any way you cut the data shows that that's just complete and utter bullshit. And and just to be clear, I wanna I want to um, reaffirm what you said. But that's data not only from the U.S. That's data across Europe, Switzerland. You know, right? When we world. talk about this, we've we, we've come to that decision that like now you're you can't just say this is a U.S. government conspiracy. This has to be a, the the biggest. If you believe that vaccines are like dangerous and and they don't actually work and so on and so forth, you'd have to believe that this is a global conspiracy of scientists, or as so many people that are anti-vax say, you know, it's the globalist Jews, which is a trope as old as the Holocaust. And we saw how that worked out listening to those people. So, but more people are like going in this direction. Again, we're not going to name names because I don't want to get like, you know, sued for slander. And, and there are people that are like, you know, seem pretty smart that started off like tweeting about health and performance and some of them have MD behind their name and they're very slowly creeping over into this world of like, you know, anti-vax or, Hey, I'm pro vaccine, but not for mandates is like a stepping stool to then the next day. Like, you know, the government is doing this, doing that. And Every once in a while, I'm like, Steve, like, are we the ones that are deluded? Are we wrong? And then Steve tells me, no, these people are just losing their brains on the internet. All right. You see, you, I mean, that's, and I think the reason that, you know, we're having this conversation, and this is kind of like a wrestling with thinking out loud. Um, as we said at the beginning, I kind of buy behind the scenes on our thinking process, because I think that's important is it's kind of scary because like you see people who are smart, intelligent, and in prior years have put out good quality information maybe. And that's where I think as Brad and I, you know, have to make a living on the internet, we spend time thinking about this because it's like, it's almost like a warning cautious sign is like, holy crap, I don't want that to be me or you in five years. Right. Or 10 years or, or 10 or years or what years. have you. And it's a very and again, we're trying to um, walk a tightrope here and not name names because uh, for this, because I, you know, for the reasons Brad said, but it's it's often you see this this steady progression, right? You start off with the concrete things that we know all work, right? Good medicine, good exercise, good nutrition, whatever have you. And then over time, it starts, you start seeing a little contrarianism, which often is leads to some good productive insight, right? Where it's like, oh, like maybe this thing over here, this medicine, this supplement, this exercise type might be a little bit better, even though there's not a lot of data or research or what have you. And then it goes from a little contrarianism to, okay, this thing over here, which has a tiny, tiny bit of science, maybe, and a tiny, tiny bit of performance in the real world, this thing is the key. Like, it is this pathway, this supplement, this medicine, like, this is the key to, 
you know, extending your life, better sex, increased exercise performance, whatever it is, right? It's the key. And then it, and then it devolves into like full blown, like, you know, the re- these things are the key and the reason that they're not used is because you know big pharma conspiracy like big exercise whatever that is big nutrition is like big science is holding you back and not telling you the right things and then you then you get to like full losing your mind on the internet what about big magnus that's me not trying to lose my mind on the internet. But and it's crazy because it, I, I real quick, like there's a part of me that wants to defend my logic when I make strong statements. And this is also where I question like, are these people cynical because I think they're smart enough to think like this, or are they just dumb? So, like for instance, I'm pro-vaccine, but I'm against mandates. That sounds reasonable, but that's also like saying I'm pro driving on the right side of the road, but I don't want, I'm not going to force other people to drive on the right side of the road. If they drive on the left side of the road, that's their prerogative. Or I'm pro not driving while drunk, but if you want to drive while drunk, that's your choice. And why is that? Well, because in this case, we know that vaccines minimize the spread of this, something that's getting lost in, 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 in the yelling on the internet by like five times. They're not perfect, but still five times less likely you're going to catch it and spread it if you're vaccinated. And more importantly, as we said, we know that the rates of death and hospitalization are so much lower. Now, what if you say, well, if someone doesn't want to get vaccinated and die, that's their prerogative. Okay, well, then are we not going to treat those people in the hospital? No, the same people get mad. They say that's morally heinous, and I don't necessarily disagree. But then, okay, so you choose not to get vaccinated. Therefore, you are 20 times more likely to die and something like 30 times more likely to be hospitalized for COVID. So now you're in the hospital, but my son gets into a bicycle accident or I get hit by a car. And when I go to the hospital, there aren't beds. Oh, well, they'd make a bed for you. Okay. But all the doctors and nurses are going to be completely burnt out because they're sick of caring for patients that needlessly didn't have to die. Like it truly is is akin to saying, I believe at this point, I'm for driving on the right side of the road, but I'm not going to force anyone else to. And how do these people not see this logic? Or is my logic bad? And let's, let's work this out. Like is like really try to play devil's advocate. Maybe the immediate danger isn't as high as driving into oncoming traffic. But it certainly seems like it's a pretty, going to swear here, fucking large tragedy of the commons. So, yeah. So let's try and poke holes in this. I think. In that they- in the last, last thing that I promise I'll shut up because I, I like want to unload my brain on this before I hand it over. I think part of the reason that it sounds so good is like you can be pro-science, but also like pro-respecting people's rights. So there's like this moral undertone that sounds very good to be like pro-vaccine, but anti-mandate. But then for the reasons that I just explained, I think it's kind of comical. But tell me how I'm wrong, because I'm, I'm truly open to being wrong here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't. Well, I don't think you're wrong. But to to play the someone other, think I'm wrong. Yeah. To to play the other side, they would probably say, well, uh, look at the rates for younger people. So maybe we shouldn't mandate for younger people because it's not quite as, you know, not as high a a risk. So therefore, it's okay. 
I think they might also say mandates cross some, you know, kind of backfire and don't work and the people who aren't going to get vaccinated aren't going to get vaccinated anyways. Um, they could make some argument that it's, again, it's better to do it with kindness than forcing. Did it, but wasn't kindness tried for the first, I don't know, six months, eight months? Now, the kid thing is interesting because there, the rates of hospitalization and death are super low, for sure. Yet, you're still now getting back to that conspiracy of like not believing global scientists on the safety profile of these vaccines. But I haven't heard too many people saying like you, you shouldn't have mandates for kids because the rates of disease are too low. And if someone were to say that, that's an argument that is very much rational and worth having. But that's not what they're saying. They're saying like, I mean, I'm sure some people are and those people like I've got respect for. Um, I think, again, you have this societal issue where, well, if the kids are more likely to get it and spread it, then it's not good. But they might say, A, seems like everyone's getting it. And B, so why should we put the burden on adults not getting vaccinated on a young kid? And those are all like very valid things. I think there's a similar argument with school shutdowns. Like if the main reason we're shutting down schools is to stop the spread, why should we be protecting unvaccinated Joe from getting sick from the kids at the school while we're penalizing the kids by not having them in school? Those are all really valid arguments. It all comes back to like fucking Joe should get vaccinated. And that's why sometimes Joe's employer tells him he has to. And the max, the, the mandates are quite effective. Um, I think I've read that the uptake in most organizations is over 90%. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you, obviously. The other thing that I think is interesting, and I can get away from playing devil's advocate here. No, it's good uh, to play devil's advocate. Not very well, but I, 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 I think the other thing that is this that is very interesting here on the vaccines is that <laughs> that you mentioned the moral part of it, but I'm going to branch out to something a little more cynical in the sense that. When you get to say mandates aren't good, but vaccines are, you get to play to both sides of your audiences. You don't get to lose anybody because mm. you get to keep the kind of science happy people. Oh, vaccines work. Great, great, great. And you get to keep the other side of the equation or the people who think like, oh, like I shouldn't be forced to do this. And I think that play... And this is super cynical, and maybe I'm wrong, but that play to find this middle ground um, is often pushed when you have a bigger following on the internet that is more diverse. And why is it more diverse? Probably because you've gone down the like secret supplement path, which I'll just call it. So you've got people who are like both science types, and you've got people who are just like, you know, screw science. I just want the nat quote unquote natural or supplement path to go towards. So like you get to satisfy both sides of things by making proclamations like this and look kind of morally good or okay. The other thing that I'm, as I'm thinking through this real time is 
the pro-vax, and I, we've gone down COVID for a while, so sorry if you're listening, but reality is only people who are uh, interested in this stuff are still listening. But anyways, if you're pro-vaccine, anti-mandate, what's the rationale for the you know dozen or so vaccines that are mandated? Are you asking me? Yeah. You, like, how do you, it's, how it's do you public, it's public good? No, I mean, but how do you rationalize that if you're someone who is like pro vaccine, anti COVID mandate, but like pro vaccine and pro mandate on every like other... polio or, or measles? A, I think it's hard to be. And B, I think those people would say that the societal cost of everyone having polio or measles would be higher than COVID because they have higher rates of morbidity and mortality. Again, I'm not that's that's just what they would say. I think that what I would say to that is well, if you're concerned about morbidity and mortality, it's really clear that the morbidity and mortality COVID brings is too much to handle for our country because look, particularly look before the vaccines. So yeah, I mean there's all kinds of flaws in the logic. I think you're right. I think it is a way to make everyone happy to try to defend yourself and be like, ooh, I'm pro-science, but you know, I'm open-minded. And that's the same like false equivalence stuff that, you know, is um, is like treating Donald Trump as a legitimate politician instead of being like he's a malignant narcissistic psychopath. Like sometimes you just have to call a spade a spade. I got nothing wrong with someone running as a Republican or conservative, but I do have something wrong with a malignant narcissistic psychopath. And I think where you get dangerous is you're like, well, you know, I don't like him, but I think that he has a right to do this or that or the other. And that's like being like, you know, I I'm going to channel Larry David here. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Hitler, but, you know, if he can run, it's debate like that. You can't there, at some point you have to draw the line. Otherwise, like good people stay quiet and evil prevails. And on the Internet, it's like this slippery slope. And then another thing that happens is like the 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 people, the true wackadoos, then use these otherwise smart people that start to lose their mind on the Internet as like proof that like, well, so and so scientists said that like they have an open mind. And it's like, great, so and so scientist maybe has lost their mind on the Internet or is super cynical and is doing this because so and so scientist wants more views, whatever, whatever. Or the thing that I'm always cognizant of, maybe I'm the one that's living in the wrong side of the matrix. And maybe we're all going to get cancer as a result of these vaccines in five years. Doubt it. Maybe. I mean, it could happen. Um, right. And that's a risk that you got to take. But like, yeah. yeah, as our friend Dave Epstein recently said, like everything could give you cancer in five years. Yes, that was a, a great newsletter if you haven't checked it out. So one one thing, you know, as I, as I work through this in my head, one thing that I think is I'm I think is kind of clear is the internet being online all the time, not only echo chambers, but it is like the greatest status creating status marker thing that we've ever had. Cuz we get like instant feedback on where we are how much we're quote unquote valued by others 
right? And if we go back, we, we like to think of ourselves as like, hey, we're super rational, intelligent thinkers now. But the reality is we have the same hardware that we did millennia ago. And we're just like our ape cousins trying to, you know, make our way up the status hierarchy in our little, you know, group of other apes. And, and I often wonder if this is nothing more than, you know, people gain notoriety, people see a pathway towards higher quote unquote status online by anger, division, contrary takes, et cetera, et cetera. And that just loses them to lose. I'm going to quote you, Steve, from our conversation. um, Maybe it was three days ago when you said, yeah, like most people just suck and most people are just in it for themselves. And if you think of the lens that way, then it makes total sense. So, yeah, I, I mean, I did say that. Um, you did say that. No, I said I did. Oh, I thought you said you didn't. Yeah, no, I'm not going to misquote you. You can't sue me for slander. You're right here. I'm suing you. This is how we go down. But even if I think, you know, the person that you love to hate on a little bit, Joe Rogan, like think about his evolution from even as a podcaster. You know, I don't know, six, seven years ago, Joe Rogan is just this guy who podcasts with random people who has a background like is heavy into MMA and occasionally, you know, has random, random scientist thinker, but also has like crazy ancient alien, you know, person on, etc. And it's kind of this collection of, of, you know, all over the place, human beings who some are interesting, some are not, but they just go deep. And I'm totally here for the alien conversations. Yeah. But but then, you know, it's 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 Joe Rogan smoking the joint with Elon Musk. But over the last year or two, it's like, you know, Joe Rogan, you know, belief and uh, belief in doctors on on out there like uh, vaccine drugs, all that stuff. I think in that case, it's like a fame narcissism thing that like, oh, like I know better than everyone, um, so on and so forth. So like then like you kind of get addicted to saying that everyone's like, and like, it's not hard. If, if, if you're with us this late, I'm going to assume that, you know, you're, you're here for this and I'm not going to change your mind in the wrong direction. But like, if I wanted to sound super smart and contrarian, I would just go on Twitter when we're done with this and be like, look, everybody is feeling exhausted these days. Everyone's feeling kind of worn down. You know, some psychologists say we're languishing. But if you look at when this really started, it really started when we all started taking these vaccines. So and it seems like the people that are feeling exhausted and worn down are the people that took vaccines. So the mRNA vaccine is giving us all chronic fatigue. And but it's believable. It's contrarian. I mean, what I actually think is that people are worn down and exhausted because normal sources of excitement in their life are gone. And we spend too much time on the internet reading news stories. And perhaps the reason that people that are vaccinated may feel more tired, by the way, I made that up. I have no 
way of knowing it's true is because the people that are vaccinated inherently care about COVID. So therefore, they've been more worried about COVID than people who aren't. But like, you don't hear the both sides. So it's not hard to come up with like some contrarian argument that makes enough sense for people to lose their mind on. And that would be that 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 would be my most popular tweet. And then if I said that the book Groundedness is actually about keeping your ground amidst government takeover, it would sell more copies this week than it sold in the past month. I have no doubt. Which is terrifying. So, but, and that's my point on this whole Joe Rogan going down this. I think the same thing applies to even people who don't have millions on millions and millions of listeners or whatever have you. Like, it is addicting to get some status and some validation and some value from what's good, what you say online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever have you. And we are in the world's biggest like roulette status game thing. And it's really freaking hard not to play. And I think that is the entire key is like good, smart people like fall down the same rabbit hole because like we're human beings. And that is like our our hardware is like not meant to uh, to deal with this stuff. So we got thrown into this place where where we have this accelerant, which is causing us to lose our mind. So, you know, we spent 50 minutes ranting on this and I come down onto it as like if you spend any time online at all and, you know, whether that's social media, reading stuff, consuming news, you better be sure that you have some like active measure some and are taking active steps to make sure that you're like combating this ingrained tendency to play the status game online. And if you don't, you're in trouble. Yeah. That seems like a good place to wrap. If you made it this far, thanks for joining along. We'll be back to the script next week. Um, and until then, be well and be careful out there on the internet. What more is there to say? Thanks for listening to the Growth Equation podcast. Learn more about our work and find show notes at our website, www.thegrowtheq.com. Follow us on Twitter, at B. Stahlberg and at Steve Magnus. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, as this goes a long way in helping it reach others.